Hi, true crime fans, and welcome to another episode of Grace is on the Case. I'm your host, Grace Lynn Keller, and today I have a pretty recent case to cover that is sure to leave you with chills. I'm not going to waste any time, so let's jump right into it. This is the story of Bart and Krista Halderson. On July 7, 2021, 22-year-old Chandler Halderson contacted police in Madison, Wisconsin to report his parents, 50-year-old Bart and 53-year-old Krista Halderson, missing. He explained that he hadn't seen his parents since the evening of July 1st, and in the early morning hours of July 2nd, an unnamed couple arrived at the Halderson home to pick up Bart and Krista. Chandler explained that his parents left with this couple around five or six in the morning before he was even awake and headed to the family cabin in Langley County, about a three-hour drive from their home in Madison. Chandler said that he hadn't seen them since. Later in the day on July 2nd, two of Krista's co-workers arrived at the Halderson residence to check on Krista when she did not show up for work. There, they encountered Chandler, who had a bandaged toe, but no Bart or Krista. Chandler gave them the same cabin trip story that he would eventually give police in his missing persons report a week later. When asked about his bandaged toe by these co-workers, Chandler said that he had broken the glass doors on his fireplace, playing ball with the dogs, and cut his foot trying to clean up the shards. He went on to detail that there was, quote, blood everywhere, unquote, in the house because of this cut. July 3rd, the day after Bart and Krista left for the cabin, a woman called police to report a young man between 20 and 30 years old acting suspicious on DNR property near Roxbury, Wisconsin, which is about 30 minutes away from Madison. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with Wisconsin, DNR stands for Department of Natural Resources, and basically the DNR's job is to protect and maintain the preserved land in Wisconsin. So they have officers who patrol these properties, which make up many of Wisconsin's lakes, hiking trails, and recreation parks. And it's not at all illegal to be on DNR-controlled land, but they can ticket you or remove you if you're being destructive, breaking laws, disrupting natural resources, etc. They're very similar to like park rangers that patrol our national parks. So now that you kind of understand that, this man who was spotted on DNR property was not breaking any laws just by being there, but the woman who called to report him was concerned that he was acting suspicious and he was walking around in areas not even close to the marked hiking trails, which could technically be a disruption of natural resources. So police noted this activity, but they were unable to identify this man. Two days later, on July 5th, Chandler arrived at his girlfriend's home in his parents' vehicle and told his girlfriend's mother's partner his girlfriend's mother had given him permission to use their pool. So the mother's partner allowed him into the backyard where the pool was and said that she saw the vehicle that Chandler had arrived in near a shed on the property with the back hatch open. And then later, she saw Chandler south of the same shed near a wood line. And then after this, Chandler left the property. And it's unclear if he ever even used the pool in the first place. Now, fast forward another two days to July 7th, and Chandler Halderson contacts Madison police to officially report his parents missing, like I explained at the top of the episode. 
Chandler told police the same story that he had told his mother's co-workers that his parents left for the family cabin in Langley County in those early morning hours of July 2nd, and that he hadn't seen his parents since the evening of the 1st. And he didn't know who his parents' travel companions were, that unnamed couple that he discussed with the co-workers. He did, however, say that he had received a text from his mom on July 4th saying they made it safely to the cabin and were headed to White Lake, which is a town in Langley County for a 4th of July parade. This would have been about 20 minutes away from this cabin that they traveled to. He said that this was the last contact he had had with either of his parents, and now all of his calls to both of their cell phones were going to voicemail directly. So the police did this first interview with Chandler inside the Halderson family home, and they noted some, shall I say, strange things inside. According to their report, the officers who interviewed Chandler noted that there were sections of flooring missing, as well as an outline of a half wall that looked like it used to stand next to the front door, which was no longer there. But while these things were odd, police had no reason to be suspicious, so they collected his statements and left the home. And hindsight is twenty twenty here, but, you know, the police don't know. Maybe the Alderson family is doing some renovations. Maybe they were in the middle of sprucing up this room of the home when they decided that they were going to go to the cabin for the weekend. The police did not have a real reason to be suspicious at that time. So Chandler files this report, and then afterwards, both a relative of the Halderson family and Langley County authorities went to the family cabin for a welfare check. So two separate welfare checks were made on this property, but both people who went reported that it looked like nobody was home there. So let's just pause for a moment to round up this timeline this first week, because a lot has already happened, and I promise you things are about to get even twistier. So we have the Haldersons leaving in the early morning hours of the 2nd with an unidentified couple headed for their cabin in Langley County. The night of the 1st is the last time Chandler Halderson says he sees his parents alive. Then later in the day on the 2nd, Krista Halderson's co-workers stopped by. Chandler tells them that she and Bart left for the cabin and they see this cut on his foot. He says he heard it playing with the dog and that there's blood all over the house because of it. On July 3rd, police get the report of the suspicious man on DNR property in Roxbury. And then on the 4th, that's the day that Chandler says he receives this final text from his mother saying that they're going to that 4th of July parade. On the 5th is when Chandler shows up at his girlfriend's home saying that he was going to use the pool, but then is seen by the wood line. And then finally, he reports his parents missing on the 7th. And police then note the missing floor and the half wall that were maybe supposed to be there but not be there we don't really know so two different welfare checks that same day were made nobody said that they saw anybody home or really any trace of anybody having been there recently <sighs> okay that's a lot and that just covers this first week now we're going to get into with this official missing persons report the police are beginning to investigate and search for bart and krista so the day after this report was filed, July 8th, Chandler gives a media interview, and he told reporters similar information to what he told police, and he made statements like, quote, we'll find them, unquote, and, quote, it's better not to listen to the negative theories, unquote. Later that day, police found mutilated and dismembered human remains on the property of Chandler's girlfriend's family. 
and Chandler was taken into custody for a second interview after this discovery. So this is not public information yet, and I'm not sure that Chandler even knows that these body parts had been found. And these remains are are unidentified at this point, but police then bring him in for a second interview. After this interview, Chandler is actually taken into custody, but only on the charges of providing false information on a missing person's report. So he is not being charged with murder. He is not being charged with assault or anything violent like that. He is only being pulled into custody because he allegedly provided false information on the missing persons report he filed for his parents. We don't know exactly what this false information was. One has to assume that between his first and second interview, his story may have changed and police became suspicious, but that is the situation where they then bring him into custody. And police now labeled Bart and Krista's disappearance as suspicious, but no murder charges have been filed. Those remains still remained unidentified. So then it came out that Chandler had actually made six back-to-back Google searches about his parents' case earlier that morning using words like, quote, body found, unquote, and, quote, Bart and Krista, unquote. So one has to wonder, maybe he kind of caught wind that the police were searching the girlfriend's wooded property and maybe decided to do a little Google searching. But it wasn't until July 9th that police publicly announced that they discovered unidentifiable, mutilated, and dismembered human remains. So the next day, July 10th, the woman who originally reported seeing that suspicious man on DNR property came forward again and told the police to relook at her report in light of the missing persons report and now these remains being found elsewhere in the Madison area. The next day, the 11th, the police executed a search warrant at the Halderson family home, so like physically inside the home, and processing of this property took several days. On July 12th, police publicly announced that they have identified the mutilated remains found on Chandler's girlfriend's family's property. Oh my gosh, that's a mouthful. (laughs) Um, But these, these mutilated remains belong to Bart Halderson, and authorities could not tell when his time of death was, just that it was somewhere between July 1st and July 8th. Because of all the dismemberment and mutilation that happened, it was pretty impossible to tell how long Bart had been dead. So now you're probably wondering, where's Chandler while all of this is going down? Well, at the time of this discovery that the remains belonged to Bart, Chandler was still in custody on those false information charges, but just the false information charges, despite being placed by a witness at the scene where Bart's partial remains were found. But then later that evening, his charges were upgraded to include three new ones, first degree intentional homicide, hiding a corpse, and mutilating a corpse. So now police are pretty sure that Chandler was the perpetrator of at least the murder of his father. So on July 14th, more mutilated human remains were found on that DNR land where the woman had called in about the suspicious activity. And this was now two weeks ago that she had made that original report. And police pretty much assumed that the man she saw was Chandler Halderson. The remains were not identified at this specific time, but they were believed to be connected to Bart's murder and Krista's disappearance. The next day, July 15th, 
Chandler was formally charged with the murder of his father, Bart Halderson, and the search for his mother continued. And at this time, the prosecutor said that they did expect more charges to be filed against Chandler, but they were very hopeful still that Krista was still alive. And then things kind of stall a little bit. Days pass and lots of different properties were searched and continued to be searched, but no updates kind of came. Then finally, on July 27th, police publicly announced that dismembered remains had been found, this time in a pond on the property of the Halderson family home. The search of the Halderson family home done after the execution of the warrant on July 11th finally concluded on this day as well, and it turned out two crucial pieces of evidence. First was Bart and Krista's cell phones, and the second was their identification, their driver's license. Forensics actually were able to conclude that the last communication sent from Krista's phone, so that 4th of July text, pinged a tower in Madison, Wisconsin, not in Langley County, like Chandler had originally told the police. So it's reasonable to assume that Krista never was in Langley County, and she was in Madison the entire time. Then on July 30th, the remains found on the DNR land in Roxbury were announced as belonging to Krista Halderson. Chandler's charges were upgraded again then, adding another set of first-degree intentional homicide, hiding a corpse, and mutilating a corpse for the murder of his mother, and these charges mirrored the charges that had been brought against him for the murder of his father. The remains found in the pond on the family's property, though, remained unidentified at this time. So let's pause again for a moment and just review. We've got Bart's partial remains on Chandler's girlfriend's family's property. Then we've got Krista's partial remains on the DNR land. But now we've got this third set of remains found in the pond. And at this point, it is unclear if these partial remains belonged to Bart and or Krista or if they belonged to an entirely different person. So while all of this is trying to be sorted out, Chandler appears in court for the first time on September 1st, 2021, and he pleads not guilty to eight total charges, and they are two sets of first-degree intentional homicide, hiding a corpse, mutilating a corpse, and providing false information on a missing persons report, one of each for each parent, and he pleads not guilty to all of them. After a few more court appearances, the trial of Chandler Halderson began on January 4th, 2022, and this is when the web of deceit was uncovered that led to the murders of Bart and Krista. So hold on to your hats, folks. This is about to get interesting. So in late June of 2021, weeks before the murder of his parents, Chandler appeared to have everything going for him. He worked for an insurance company. He volunteered on a scuba rescue team for the police. He had a steady girlfriend, and he was about to graduate college. And most of all, he had landed a dream job at SpaceX. This, however, was all a big, fat lie. At first, Chandler was able to keep things under control. After flunking out of school years ago and lying about still being enrolled, Chandler was a pro at keeping up the facade. When he decided to spend all day playing video games instead of working remotely at the insurance company, he made up a few stories about HR problems and bank issues to explain why he wasn't being paid. To try and keep up the lie that he was about to graduate, he told everyone that he had been hired by SpaceX. And he even lied to his girlfriend about renting an apartment in Florida near the SpaceX launch facilities and purchasing a car. But of course... 
time pressed on and it was around the time that he was supposed to begin working at SpaceX. So to cover up the fact that he had not, in fact, been hired by SpaceX, he faked a fall down some stairs and claimed to have a serious concussion, brain bleed, hematoma, spinal damage, and a whole host of other ailments resulting from this fall that would significantly push back his move to Florida and the start of his SpaceX job. Finally, after all of this, years of deceit, Bart caught on and was suspicious of Chandler, so he called the school his son was supposed to be graduating from to get a copy of his final transcript. It was then that Bart learned that his son hadn't studied there in years. Confused and furious, as one would be, Bart set up a meeting between himself, school officials, and Chandler to sort everything out. So at this point, Bart had not figured out the full extent of Chandler's lies, but he was close. And knowing that this web of lies was about to come crashing down, seeing no way out this time, the prosecution said that this is when Chandler became a murderer. On July 1st, 2021, the day that Chandler alleged to have seen his parents alive for the last time, Bart Halderson was ready to leave for his 3 p.m. meeting with the school officials and his son. At 2.10 p.m., Bart used his phone for the final time, texting Chandler, I'm ready whenever you are. The prosecutor alleged that Chandler, knowing all of his deceit would be revealed if his father went to this meeting, shot Bart in the back as they were getting ready to leave. Then he texted his mother, Krista, asking her to bring him a soda. She replied that she would and is seen on surveillance video arriving home about an hour later. Once she enters the house, she is never seen alive again. It is believed that at this time, Chandler killed his mother. He then used his mother's phone to send that 4th of July text to his own three days later, finally reporting them missing on July 7th. It is also believed that he used that week between when he killed his parents and when he reported his parents missing to mutilate and dismember their bodies and spread their remains across Dane County, Wisconsin. So as the trial continued on, Chandler was painted by the prosecution as a cold, emotionless person who cared only about keeping his web of lies and had no remorse for the murders of his parents. And honestly, y'all, after everything I read and watched in preparation for this episode, I agree. Like, the video of him at sentencing is chilling. There's just, there's no emotion. And speaking of sentencing, the trial wrapped on January 20th, 2022, and it only took the jury two hours to find Chandler Halderson guilty on all eight counts that he was charged with. Chandler actually requested that he be allowed to skip his sentencing, which I really just, it speaks to the amount of delusion he seems to have about the effects of his actions. I think he probably wanted to skip hearing victim impact statements, and he was also going to be required to speak. I'm guessing he wanted to skip that. Um, But thankfully, the judge ruled that he had to attend. And honestly, if you commit a crime where there are victims, I strongly believe that you absolutely should be required to hear any victim impact statements slated to be read. It's important to the rehabilitation of somebody who's committed a crime to know how their actions have affected others, including and beyond their victims. So Chandler goes to sentencing, and when we finally do hear from him, he was still not remorseful, but rather used his time to say that he would be appealing if any lawyers were interested in taking on the case. Like, come on. 
So after all of this, it was time to sentence, and the judge handed down a sentence of three years for the two counts of false information on a missing person's report, seven years and two months for both charges of concealing a corpse, seven years and two months for both charges of mutilating a corpse, and a life sentence without the possibility of parole for the two first-degree intentional homicide charges. These are all the maximum sentences available for those charges in the state of Wisconsin. So while conventional justice was served and Chandler will never see the light of day or freedom again, this verdict still does not bring back Bart and Krista Halderson. Their lives were needlessly ended at the hands of a son who was too afraid to tell the truth. And that will be a tragedy that lives on. So thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, all of the things if you enjoyed this episode. As always, all of my source material will be listed on the show's website, graceisonthecasepodcast.com, and you can contact me through there or through Instagram DM at graceisonthecasepodcast for comments, corrections, suggestions. So hope you enjoyed, and I will see you next time for our next case. (music) 